Hey, thanks for tuning in to Hillside Juniata Sermons Podcast, where our goal is to make committed followers of Jesus. We want to encourage you that if you're not already connected to a local church, that you'll find a place where you can connect, grow, serve, and go. But wherever you are today, we hope and pray that God will use this sermon for His glory and our greatest good. Thanks again for tuning in. All right, well, thanks for joining us. As the kids go down, we are in the third week of our series, Mary's Christmas. So we are looking, as Jeremy had said, we're looking at the Christmas story, the Christmas narrative, through the eyes of Mary. So we understand and we know that Mary is not the main character. Jesus is, but the support characters matter a whole lot, and we can see that we have identification with these support characters, and that's what we're looking at. So I would encourage you, if you have not been around for the first two, uh, you can listen back. We actually have a, a, a podcast and now we're on Spotify, so it's, it's called Juniata Sermons Podcast, if you look it up on Spotify, or on Apple Podcasts. So for those Android, Apple people, you can, you can switch back and forth there. But I encourage you to, to listen to those, catch back up. But today, we're looking at Mary's, the glorious anticipation that we see through the story. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles in the pew back, so I believe it's page 919. Uh, yes, Margie. Man, you just, she's on it. She's like my, yes, 919. So go ahead and turn to, to page 919. As you're turning there, I do want to share. So some of our Christmas traditions growing up, I don't know if you have Christmas traditions as well, but for us, at my grandma's house, we would always, it, Christmas Day would come, and the next day we would open a thousand-piece puzzle. Do we even like Christmas puzzlers? Yes, there's just something really nice about having it, you know, out. And we'd always go to my grandma's. It was always Thomas Kincaid, of course. And we would put together this, this thousand-piece puzzle every year. And I look forward to it. I would run down. From, she lived next door. And I'd run downstairs. And I'd, you know, sit there and talk with her and work on it. Well, any of the puzzlers in the room, if you know puzzles, right, there's a way to do puzzles, right? You start in the corners, the edges, so you know you're, you know. And then you're going through and you're finding, you're looking at the, the porch at the picture, and you're kind of going, okay, is this the piece? Is this the piece? And then isn't it this, always the case where there's those like few pieces that don't look anything like the picture? Like how does this piece go there? It doesn't make any sense. It's like this random piece and then you put it there and it's like, oh, that was there the whole time. Like you, you tried every other piece I don't know, and you're just like, oh, so frustrating. It should be this piece, but it's not. And you look over, maybe you tried that weird piece before and it just wasn't the right piece. And I think that that is a big picture of what we see in the, in the narrative today. That in life, we can have pieces that don't look like they fit at all, can't we? Especially around this season, where we can have pieces to the puzzle that don't match. That we look at them and we look at the, at the portrait and we go, this doesn't make sense. It's this random piece to our life that's like, what is this doing here? Like, how does this fit into the puzzle. I don't know what to do with this piece. And if that's you, if you came in today and you've had several random pieces of the puzzle of your life where you're coming in and you're going, what do I do with this? Maybe you got a diagnosis that feels really random. You're like, what, how does this fit into the story? Or maybe you have a relationship in your life and you're like, how does this fit into the narrative of my life? Or something is going on in your life. You brought in with you a random piece and you say, Nathaniel, church, what do I do with this piece? How in the world does this fit into the narrative? How does this fit into the puzzle? If that's you, you are going to be able to relate to the narrative today, to our text, in a very real way. I, I love studying this and through the lens of the here and now. We can, I can personally identify 
with Mary here. And what we're going to see, if you're taking notes, the main point is there is reason to the randomness. There is reason to your randomness. And it's important that we see that through the text today. So we're in Mary's Christmas. We're examining through the lens of Mary. And our definition of Christmas, when we talk about Christmas, it's in our memory verse. So again, if you're new, we do a memory verse that we read together out loud. We try to hide it in our hearts. And our memory verse for today is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So let's read this together. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. What a prophecy. We've said every week. This is what Mary and all the characters of this story were anxiously awaiting. And remember, there was 400 years of silence from Malachi till now. And that silence wasn't so silent, right? We heard that it echoed through the priests. It echoed through the faithful followers of Jesus who carried on the truth and said, look, keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking to the Messiah. He's coming. But they, there was no prophet. There was no mouthpiece. So that's why they, they say this silence. There was no prophet there to, to directly speak to them. But they were waiting, and we were waiting for this. So the essence of Christmas from what we're reading here is that God became like us and lived among us and the Messiah has come. We just sang about that. He has come. So today we see Christmas anticipated in Luke chapter 2, where Mary experiences a number of random puzzle pieces in her life. But God reveals to us now looking back that there was absolute reason to this randomness. So page 919, the first random puzzle piece we're going to look at, if you're taking notes, is the decree. The decree. So let's beginning. begin reading in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken, now this is interesting, of all the inhabited earth. That's interesting. Verse two, this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Verse three, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. So let's talk about the first random puzzle piece. What incredibly bad timing was this for Mary and Joseph? Could you imagine? We have Savannah in the room. They're they're pregnant. They're about ready to to go. January, right? You're you're almost there. There were several pregnant women in the room, right? The ninth month is probably the worst time to have a census called for you. Because what happens here, this is the first one. This, This is seemingly extremely random. Could you imagine if all of a sudden they said, hey, by the way, wherever you were born... Wherever you heralded from, you're going to have to now go back to that place and register a census. That is a big disruption. So Mary, if I was in her shoes, I'd be like, what are you talking about? This is the worst thing. I would be upset. I'd be like, God, are you serious? Like, are you told me that the Messiah was in me and here now it's the ninth month and I got to go all the way back to where David or where um, Joseph, his lineage came from. And we're going to see here that that is extremely disruptive. And here's another interesting fact. I didn't know Caesar Augustus was not his name. That was a definition of who he was. His real name was Gaius Octavius. So Caesar Augustus, he claimed that he was the most powerful person in the world by definition of his title. So Caesar is a title that means king or emperor. And Augustus is an adjective that means revered, highly esteemed, or honored. 
So he, the most powerful man on the planet, had ordered a decree and they had to go. It wasn't like they could say, ah, I'm just not going to register this year. You know, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to go. I'm just going to sit here and what are they? There's two of us, three of us. You know, what are they going to do? They had to go because he was the most revered person. His name literally meant revered emperor. He was viewed as a divine ruler. So he said, hey, everyone on the face of the earth, you need to go where you're from and register for the census. And that's a big deal. So then everyone was on their way to the census, each to his own city. And that demonstrated the authority and the power of Caesar Augustus at the time. So little though, here's where the randomness is not so random. Right? From, from Mary's perspective, she can go, wait a second, this doesn't add up. This doesn't make sense. But little did Caesar Augustus know, the revered emperor, that although he was the, the earthly ruler, he was the most powerful man, even in his demand, God was still at work behind him, influencing him. So what he was calling for was actually going to fall perfectly into God's masterful plan. The exact time, the exact schedule. Is that not interesting? So here, just picture yourself in these, in these shoes. Is that not a, a wake-up call to say, this is extremely disruptive in my life. This doesn't make any sense. This I am not happy about. And yet, we see from this side that there is absolute reason in that randomness. And they went anyway, because they had to. So God knew when Mary and Joseph had to be in Bethlehem in her ninth month. So he orchestrated the whole thing. So think about that. Just this mere Galilean, this, this no one from Nazareth, all of a sudden, just randomly has to go. And this would have been like a seven to ten day trip. And it would have been treacherous terrain. This would have been a big disruption. And they had to now pack up their things. They were humble. right? We, we learn about Mary and Joseph. They were, they were of humble beginnings, humble means. So this probably cost them a lot. This was probably a big disruption. And yet they went anyway. So this Christmas... Maybe you have had to start a journey that you never intended. Maybe there were some random decisions made by someone in your life. Or maybe a random diagnosis or a random change at your workplace or a random landlord making a change. Be encouraged and understand that these random events are not outside the sovereignty of our Lord. We don't know. We don't know. Mary didn't know what was happening but it was all part of God's plan. There's a reason for your randomness. And the second random puzzle piece that we see was the destination, right? So we know the story. So the first um, we looked at was the decree. The second random thing is the destination. So God sets everything in motion for Mary and Joseph to be at just the right place at just the right time. And, and he says here, we'll read in verse four and five. So Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, if you circle in your Bible, circle Bethlehem, interesting to note, Bethlehem, it's two words, and it means house of bread. House of bread. And it may, you may see Ephrathah, is that how you say that? Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And Ephrathah means fruitful. So it's referring to a place that's called fruitful bread, house of bread. And I just think that's, that's important for our understanding in the narrative. So they went to a place which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David. In verse 5, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. So again, if you know the story, this is totally on purpose. This is absolutely on purpose. So Mary and Joseph, they would have had to travel 90 miles 
Now, this is also the same terrain that is believed to be where the, um, the Good Samaritan story took place. Where there was a man, it was treacherous. It was mountainous. It was difficult terrain. And they had to go the 90 miles along that way. So you can imagine how physically uncomfortable that would be. Pregnant mothers in the room say, yeah, amen. You know, and they didn't have, you know, a minivan cruising. You know, they didn't have the comfortable seats. I don't know if they rode a donkey. I don't know if they rode a camel. I don't know if they walked. But you can imagine. I mean, I don't want to strap a watermelon to my stomach and walk 90 miles, you know. That is not okay. <laughs> Sorry, dad's in the room. We're like, we can't get it, but that's the closest we can get, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but she was within a few days of delivering, and now she has to go 90 miles. That is extremely physically demanding and uncomfortable. And then on top of that, you think about the emotional distress. Because what's she thinking? Okay, we don't have money to do this. Right? We have to scrounge all that we have to go this 90 miles, to have money to stay where we need to stay, have the food that we need. And they were probably going, this is a total disruption financially for us, emotionally. And then think about the psychological, right? They know how terrifying this is. Could you imagine going along the way and you go, I don't know if we're A, going to make it. I don't know if we're going to get ambushed along the way. <laughs> you know, this is, we could have the baby on the side of the road, on the way. Like this is psychologically, emotionally, financially, physically, just overwhelming. That is not the puzzle piece that you go, yeah, that fits into this story. And yet, God has a way of taking the random and working it into this masterful plan. However, they had to go to Bethlehem because that was the place of Joseph's lineage. So we see that that is exactly where they needed to be, the house of bread. And that was a fulfillment of the clear promise from God in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Where, and, and, and here, this prophecy was made 300 years after King David and 700 years before the birth of Christ. Okay, so this is a long-awaited prophecy promise. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But as for you, beautiful house of bread, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So long ago, it was foresaid, foretold that this prophecy that from the house of David would come the Messiah. And here, this is not random. So, yes, it may have been difficult physically, emotionally, financially, all of these things. And maybe your situation may be physically, emotionally, psychologically, all of these things difficult. And would throw a wrench in your plans. But know and trust that though the journey may be difficult, God has a destination in mind. He has a destination in mind. So there is reason in your enemies. The third, I'm just going to, we're going to keep, keep going through. The third random puzzle piece is the delivery. The delivery. So uh, verses 6 and 7, what happens? So while they were there, they finally get there. And, and the days were completed for Mary to give birth, verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We sing about this. We know the Christmas story. But is that not a random puzzle piece? We would think that the king should not have to have this a part of his narrative. No room for him? You know, did, did Gabriel forget to call ahead and have reserved seating? You know, was he like, hey, uh, by the way, the Messiah's coming. Make sure you guys bought. You know, no, he, they got there. There was no room. And what we see from this is that this was a normal birth. 
Jesus was born into humble beginnings. And this is clearly not what Mary and Joseph would have written up for themselves. I certainly would not want to leave my routine and, and us being comfortable saying, okay, we know how to get to the hospital. The nursery's here. We've got our support system here. We're going to leave all of that, go 90 miles down, and, and who knows what's going to happen. So just slow down here and picture all of the things going on in Mary and Joseph's head. So she had to leave her hometown in the ninth month of her pregnancy. She had to travel a week and a half over treacherous terrain, terrain, only to arrive in Bethlehem where there was no room for them to stay. And now she's given birth to the Messiah surrounded by animals and all the filth that comes with animals. This is not ideal. But none of these random events are what anyone would have written for him. He should have been in Jerusalem, the city of God. Like, that's what I would think. He should, have, he should have been born in a palace. He should have been born to people who had elite status, where he would have had everything he needed and some. Those are what we would say should have been of the king. But here's what I think is beautiful. Jesus was not a man who was born to be king. Jesus was the king born to be a man. And that is beautiful. In this fruitful house of bread, this beautiful narrative flips on us where we wanted a king. Who was, we wanted a man who was born to be king. And we got the king who was born to be a man. That's the wonder of Christmas. That the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God became a man. Emmanuel, God with us. He walked among us. And in this delivery, we find, catch this, I think this is so poetic and so masterful. The bread of life, Jesus, was born in the house of bread in what? A manger, a feeding trough. Is that on purpose or what? God is masterful. He knows exactly what he's doing. There was not a single moment that did not go according to his will and purposes. And we know that to be true. God is masterful. He is an artist. And Christmas shows us that even though there may be random in all of our lives, that there is reason in the randomness when it comes to God. So every week, because this is true, what should we do? What should we do? Here's the simple truth. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. It sounds simple, but it's extremely difficult. Especially when you consider what that meant, what that means for you. Right? Mary had to walk by faith in all of those scenarios that did not calculate. That were, in my opinion, I would have said, yeah, no thanks. You know, I, I don't want to do that. That's not wise. You know, I'm not putting my wife in that danger. I'm not, we're not doing that. We don't have the money to do it. You know? and, and I would say, wisdom would say, yeah, this doesn't add up, Nathaniel. But that's not walking by faith. When God gives us a request, when God lays before us what we should do, the best place to be is right with him, is walking with him by faith. There's no accidental occurrences with God. And you think about it, like had, had Caesar given a decree a week earlier or later, you know, they, they would have missed those few days that they were in Bethlehem. God knew how long it would take everything to be put into place and he did it on purpose. Every single detail was in the hand of God. So because of that, we can walk by faith and trust. And what is faith? Faith is simply living like God is telling the truth. Do you and I live like God actually is telling the truth? That if he said, Nathaniel, I need you to go down to your lineage and, and you just got to trust me. Do I believe that, he, that he's telling the truth or do I believe that I just had something weird for breakfast? You know, living like God is telling the truth and actually 
responding to him in a way that says, yes, I will go, as Mary did. You're bond slave. You know, I, I will absolutely follow you. And, and we look in Hebrews chapter 11, so we're, we're, we're jumping forward here. That's like the hall of faith. So we look at people who have given us a model of what it is to walk by faith. And here's what is said of them. Why did Noah build the ark? It had never rained before. I don't know if you know that the story, but like rain wasn't a thing. People weren't just like, well, yeah, what? Water from the sky? You are cuckoo, you know? He says, no, Noah believed like God was telling the truth. And he did something crazy. Abraham believed, he left his homeland. God said, go to a place I'll show you. That's helpful. You know, that's a random puzzle piece. And he says, yeah, okay, I believe you're telling the truth. I will follow you. Moses, part of the Red Sea. What? How? That's not a track record where they're just like going around putting staves in the water and then it parts. Moses believed God was telling the truth and walking by faith for him was experiencing miracles. Why did people march around Jericho seven times? That's the weirdest attack strategy I've ever heard. Blow your trumpets and go around the walls and praise the Lord. Lead the front lines with singing. Like, let's just put the worship team on the front lines of our army. You know, like that's a, that doesn't sound like a great idea. But they believed God was telling the truth. And what happens? When you believe God's telling the truth, when you walk by faith, you get to see God at work. You get to see the reason in the randomness. And that's what we're invited to every single Christmas. The reason all this is true is because our faith is not in some made-up idea that man said, hey, this would help us in society navigate things a lot better and people, less people would die. Our faith is in a very real God. Our faith is in a real person who came and was born, lived among us the perfect life because he knew that was the requirement for relationship with God. A perfect lamb who was sinless, not sin-stained, to pay the penalty that we, our sin, had caused separation from us with God. And Jesus was the perfect lamb, and because of him, we can now have relationship with God. It was all masterful and all purposeful. And what's beautiful is, our faith is in a masterful craftsman who crafts each puzzle piece. And I don't know if you know this about Thomas Kincaid, but he, he signs his wife's initials. I don't know if you, if you know that. Look for the little, I think it's an N. Her name's like Nancy or something. I don't know. Nancy, is that true? I don't know. I don't know. But he signs his name on every piece. God gives us the portrait, yes, that we can look at and we can put our pieces and go, okay, that holds up. He gave us his word, you know, his spoken truth. He's, he's given us a word. You can say, okay, does this piece line up with the truth? Every piece of our life we need to hold up and say, does this match? If not, wrong puzzle. I don't know what puzzle this is part of, but it's, it's not this one. You know, hold that puzzle piece up. But also, he gave us a very real person to follow where he walks with us, he talks with us. He wants to have relationship with us. And if we're just trying to live life apart from him, we can't walk by faith because we can't follow him. We have to be a people who follow him, who study his word, who talk with him, pray, who, who come together and hold up the truths that we need, who edify one another. We get to follow Jesus. He's in the lead, not one person. I loved it downstairs. One of the kids asked me, they were like, Dad, do you own this church? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't own this church. I was like, the church is not one person. The, the church is not owned by a person. 
It's like the church is Jesus' church. We all make up the church. We all matter. There's no one person more important than the other. We are the church within the four walls. And we together get to follow Jesus, not a man. That's good news. That's good news. So true faith requires action. And that's a hard thing because we can get that twisted really easily. We can make our faith only action with no no heart behind it. And that's not good either, right? We need faith and works if you read James. And it's like this flying, soaring eagle. Both are required. You can't fly with just works. You can't fly with just faith. You need both. And that's our call here is to have faith and works. They're synonymous. And true faith moves us when the events in our life seem random, right? Those of you who know what it's like to walk down that, like it takes faith to move, It takes faith to step off of the boat. It takes faith. But that faith requires action to be demonstrated. It's the idea, you all demonstrated faith today when you sat down. None of you touched the pew and like made sure it would hold you. You just sat down. Therefore, exemplifying faith today. Like you have faith in the chair. Faith requires action. So my call, my, my, my plea to you, to myself is that we would be a people who walk by faith, who put our faith into action, that just sit there dormant and go, okay, I know these things to be true, but that's the, as far as it goes. Let's be a people who walk together, not alone, but together. Choose to walk by faith because there is reason to your randomness. So regardless, and again, I've said this every week, I get it. Like what you're going through It's almost offensive knowing what you're going through to say, hey, keep going. You know, knowing the the depth of difficulty and to say, hey, you know what? It's like there's reason in the randomness. Like that's not necessarily what you want to hear when you're sitting in it. And that's, I love that Jesus weeps. You know, he walks with us. But it is true. It says what we believe about God. He's good. He's faithful. So regardless of what life has handed you, you know, regardless of what you're experiencing right now, that random peace, that heartbreaking peace, the terrifying peace, the unexpected peace, there is more happening than what it may seem. And God is active in this world. And he's active in your life. He's active in your world. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 11, he said, he works out everything in accordance and in conformity with the purpose of his will. God is masterful. He is absolutely at work. And he sees you, remember? He he has given regard to you. He sees you. He knows what's going on. And there's purpose in all of it. So Mary would encourage you. Paul would encourage you. Jesus would encourage you. And I want to encourage you, no matter what you're experiencing this Christmas, there's reason to your randomness. So our call is to walk by faith. And I want to just close with a story. It's actually beautiful for here and now. Uh, I think it was exactly seven years ago. I can ask Michaela, but seven years ago, we had left Houston. We, we were in ministry for two years. We were fresh out of college, and it was a crazy experience for us. I mean, I saved our calendar because of how much that we did. It was, it was just, I don't know how we did it. But we were chewed up and spit out. I don't know if you've ever been in ministry, but it can, it, can, it can destroy you. Especially when you're just going and giving and giving and you're not filling up and you don't have this kind of community to fill you. 
and we were, we were spent. So we, God called us and said, do you trust me? And we, we left. And I didn't have a place. And all of wisdom said, hey, Nathaniel, you don't leave a place with a family without having a job. And I was like, I agree 100%. And I, to, to my counsel, I was like, but I don't know why God's saying go. So we left. <laughs> Trusted God, you know. And we, we, we stopped in Kentucky. We live with Michaela's parents. Yeah, she's from Kentucky. My dad would joke uh, that the toothbrush was invented there because if it wasn't invented in Kentucky, it would be called a toothbrush. So there's a one tooth. So thanks, Dad. Ha-ha. Michaela, that was for you. All right. But we were in Kentucky, and we were searching for jobs. And I was interviewing at ministry positions, and there was one particular job that I really wanted, you know, if I was honest. And we were praying, and out of nowhere, it was like the Lord interrupted us, and he handed me this random piece. He said, Nathaniel, I want you to deny all these jobs, and I want you to go home to Pennsylvania. And I was mad. Like, Michaela and I were upset. We were like, this doesn't make sense. Um, we're in the red financially. Like, this doesn't make any sense. What, what, there was no job here for us. There was nothing here other than family and friends, and, and I grew up here. So that was nice, and I, of course, I'd love to be home. But it didn't make sense. So I had to call these places and say, hey, I'm so sorry, you know, I, but I, the Lord's saying to go a different direction, and, and I'm sorry. So I called this place in Georgia, and I said, hey, I want to, to work here, but God said, no, go home. And that's part of the story. So we left, and we went to Pennsylvania seven years ago. And guess where we moved in? We moved into 621 North 6th Avenue. The apartment's right on this street, and we started walking to church, and we got plugged into a small group. And I had no idea what was going on. We were confused. We just had Sadie. And we were, you know, if you had your first child, you're like, what is this? I have, this is insane. And there was no job opportunity. And I got a job over at Greer School doing maintenance. Me, weed whacking. And, you know, like, just like little me. And I'm talking to the ear off of my, you know, they're like, can you just shut up? Like, you're just too much. Like, can we just, like, do our work? <laughs> Shoveling horse stalls and everything. And I'm just the whole time going, God, what in the world? This doesn't make any sense. And while we were here asking these questions, if you, if you know my grandma B, she, she's probably one of the most influential people in my life. Love her, miss her. She took a turn for the worse and she fell ill. She actually passed away when we were here. I'd grown up next door. I told you we would do puzzles together. I'd run down and talk with her. And I, I got to be there. She taught us how to die. And I got that blessing of being there. And I would have missed that if I did what I wanted to do. I didn't trust the Lord. And also what was happening in all of this was I was asking the Lord, God, am I even fit for ministry? You know, like this is so hard. I couldn't do it in Houston. I, I was not built for that. They are marathon sprinters. And I'm like, not. And, and they were thriving and I just couldn't deal. And I thought, God, maybe, I, maybe my idea of church, maybe this whole, I went to college for this and I'm like, man, I just don't have it. And I was asking him, you know, do you want me to work in a church? Like I could be a great small group leader. I'd love to do that and not be, you know, in ministry. And I'll never forget sitting. I cry, but that's okay. I'm told that's okay. Okay. So I believe you. Um, we were sitting on the floor and I just, the Lord like screwed our head back on. And he healed my heart and he said, yes, Nathaniel, I've called you to, whew, I've called you to ministry in the church. 
and he healed my heart. Uh, and I looked at Michaela and I said, I was like, babe, was we were both crying. This is, it was a God moment. And I said, hey, what about that church in Georgia? She said, babe, I've been thinking about that church every day for like three months. So I thought, okay, God, maybe I'll give him a call. So I call. His name is Kevin. And he said, he picks up, he goes, you are not going to believe this. Talk about the perfection of God. He was at the place that I interviewed him. And he was picking up his phone to text me to ask me if I had found a job because they were still looking. And I called him. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And the rest, I got the job and we moved to Georgia and that's where I was. And that's where I met Nico. You know, like I met so many brothers and sisters and God just masterfully worked it all together. And I would have missed out. And we realized looking back that what would have happened is I would have taken a job as damaged good and I would have been no good to any, any church. I would have been bitter. I would have been chewed up, spit out. I would have been angry. I would have had all this to do, but God knew that there was reason to the randomness. When he said go home, he knew all of this. And I'm still looking back going, what, what was that? Like, There's so much gold there that I, I would have missed. And that's my call. Personally, I can attest that there is reason to the randomness. And when God says, when God leads, say yes <laughs> and trust him. He's good. He knows what's going on. And like Mary, if she would have said, I'm out, the story would have been different. So we can relate and we can understand this Christmas. I don't know what you're going through. And it may, you may be like, Nathaniel, I agree. I'm mad. I'm angry with my season right now. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm with you. I agree. It doesn't make sense. And it's, it's cause for disruption. It's cause for frustration. And there's space for that. There's space for that experience in the church. And we can look across and say, but here's what we know to be true. God is good. God is faithful. There's reason in the random. And I'm going to sit here and cry with you. And I'm going to be a community. But God will show up when we walk by faith. And that's the call this Christmas. Wherever you are, walk by faith. Trust him. You have no idea what's on the other side of your yes. So I want to pray and I want to give you a time. I'll just, I'll do a minute of silence. We've got some time. I want to give you just a minute of silence and just wrestle. Maybe you're mad. Maybe you're angry with your situation. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're tired, exhausted even. Chewed up, spit out, doing something that you can't stand just to get by. And the whole time you're going, God, where are you? You know, these random puzzle pieces in our life can cause us to have questions, can't they? God, where are you? What are you doing? All these whys. And, and if we would just sit in stillness and we would lay them out before the Lord and say, God, what do I do with this piece? Maybe, just maybe, God will give you and say, place it here. And you will see that there's reason to your random. And I want you to give that to the Lord today. So I'm going to set a timer. No music, no altar call, just a, a minute of silence for you to just go to the Lord. Surrender, give him, ask questions, and then I will close us. I'll close us in prayer. So, a minute of silence for you starting now.